Good afternoon. This is Apostle Corey Douglas with Zion Ministries. Welcome you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. Praise God. We are about to proceed in our study. Uh, we will pick up on Romans chapter number 4, verse number 11. Again, Romans chapter number 4, verse 11. Praise the Lord. Trees. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he may be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised. As we dig into this particular verse, uh, we understand that the context of the scripture is Abraham. Abraham received the sign of circumcision. And this verse describes that the actual sign of circumcision that was given to Abraham uh, became a seal of righteousness. And I want you to remember that, a seal of righteousness. Okay. Now, a seal is that which is used to confirm anything that is confirmed, proved, or authenticated. As, a, as by a seal, a token of proof. So it was something that was given to guarantee authenticity, a signet. A uh, seal means a signet, okay? Uh, it's something that, according to definition, protects or fences or protects something from being misappropriated. Okay, it is also a mark of privacy or genuineness. And so when God gave Abraham the seal of circumcision, it was a sign not just to him, not just to his family, not just to his kindreds, and not just to the rest of the world in that time, but also to our generation, uh, to creation seen and unseen, that this righteousness that had been accredited to Abraham because of his faith was an authentic righteousness, okay? It was a, uh, a pure and an accepted uh, righteousness, a genuine righteousness that had been given to him out of heaven, okay? And so the seal be a proof, okay? Uh, the sign became a proof of the seal of his righteousness, okay? And that seal served as a guarantee that the righteousness that Abraham had received was indeed authentic. And it says, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal, okay? A genuine token, a proof of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he may be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised. And this is so powerful because what it does, you guys, when we understand uh, this particular scripture, we see that Abraham faith in God outside of a covenant with God in order to enter into a covenant with God. I want you to listen again. He had faith, Abraham, 
to become Abraham. And it was the faith that he had while being named Abraham that eventually led to him being called Abraham. Okay. So if, if that is true, let us know that you and I have faith to please God, okay, even before you and I enter into a covenant with him. So this thing, the ability to believe, or as Romans Paul in Romans chapter ten, uh, verse nine, but for with the heart man believeth. Universal tool and power that God has given to every man, woman and child, girl of every generation, of every race, and in every generation, that if they release God, can and will get his attention, regardless of what condition that they're in. Okay. Uh, faith pleases God, okay? And so when we when we understand this particular truth, it opens up a, a whole nother reality. I think we can see that even when it comes to salvation, the gospel, okay? We know that in order to be born again, that we have to believe the gospel and we have to release faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to receive salvation, which means that every human being on earth has the ability to release faith, to believe in God, to receive this salvation experience, and to experience God, whether they do or not. The capacity to do so is still resident within every heart. And so when we look at this, we see that Abraham, he emphasizes that he received a sign of circumcision and a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he may be the father of all them that believe, that he may enter into his purpose, into his calling, and into the fullness of who he has been created to be in God. Okay? And it, it shows us a pattern for our lives as well. Like, it's important that you and I believe God in order to become who God has called us to be. Sometimes we look, we think that after we get bored again, like that particular experience is supposed to give us uh, the edge or an added ability to believe, or as if the belief comes after the experience kind of salvation with God. But the truth of the matter is, is that every person has enough faith. And in the process, of becoming who God has created us to be, developing fully to who God has created us to be, walking in completely in, you know, our identity and fully maturing into the person and the stature and the power and the character that God has created her, created us to be. In between now and then is the necessity of us having faith in God in order unlock or to activate that new creation identity and uh and also partner with the power of god and also the promise of god and the word of god to give them right to continue to change us into who god has said we truly are indeed and so there's something about the ability to believe and it's important that you embrace this principle because your faith has nothing to do with your works for or against. The scriptures emphasize it, that Abraham believed in God and he 
God yet being uncircumcised or outside or without a covenant. And these things that eventually led into the fulfillment of the covenant. Okay. And it said, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Who also? That he may be the father of them which believe. I'm in verse 11. Them that believe. And so them that believe or who believe or us who believe, okay, despite of how unworthy, unknowledgeable, uh, where you think you are in your journey, better or for worse, one of the first important things that you and I do, regardless of our condition, what we've done wrong, how we think we've blown it or how we don't deserve it or qualify. The most important thing for you and I to do is to believe what God has said to us and about us. Okay. That he might be the father of all them that believe. Okay. All them that believe. And so spiritually, we who choose to live the life of faith, the lifestyle of faith, and walk in uh, believing God and taking God at his word and allowing God to be truth and every man a liar and casting down lies with the truth of God's word, and agreeing with God. The Bible says we who choose to make that, that operation for those disciplines a way of life, we are of them that believe. And also we are of the seed of Abraham. Okay, we are of the stock of Abraham. Abraham becomes our father. We enter into a spiritual heritage, uh, and we're known as the offspring of Abraham, okay, who is biblically called the father of faith. Okay. Oh, emphasizes that whether we're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, where we, uh, whether we were the chosen uh, people that God chose to release his covenant to the earth through, or whether we were nations initially in the beginning, none of that matters. All that matters is whether we choose to believe God, take God at his word, in order to receive his righteousness that has been extended to you and I through his son. Okay. Verse 13. It says, for the promise that he, he being Abraham, should be heir of the world. I want you to listen to this. God made him heir or inheritor of the world. The promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So we see that the promise to inherit the world was made to Abraham and was roughly um, years before the law came, you know, over close to 400 some years uh, because the law was not given unto Moses. Okay. And Moses didn't come on the scene. 400 years, roughly, 
after Abraham and after all this took place. But yet, and we see the promise of uh, royalty, the promise of an inheritance, the promise of being an heir given to a man uh, because of his faith. I want to say this to really emphasize you and I is when it comes to promises, when it comes to inheritance, and when it comes to what God has said to you, for you, and about you, the Jeremiah 29, 11, thoughts that he thinks towards you that are good and not an evil, those things that bring hope and an expected end. Most important thing that you and I, and the most, you can say, um, the most vital thing that you and I can ever give God is our belief, is our full persuasion, is our faith, to be fully persuaded in our heart, in our mind, in our will, in our emotions, in our entire being that what God has said is true, to have no doubt in any molecule of our being in any cell, in any, in, 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 you know, in, in any aspect of our nature, to be in full agreement, spirit, soul, and body, with the word of God is how you and I believe, okay? It's having your mind in agreement, okay? Your soul in agreement, your will in agreement, your emotions in agreement, your spirit in agreement, and your physical body in agreement. That's what we call scripturally being fully persuaded. Fully means completely persuaded. So if everything within me is not persuaded, then it's not full or complete. So faith is being fully persuaded. As we'll read on down, that it was this full persuasion that unlocked uh, a world of blessing for Abraham and also for us as well. But notice what he said, for the promise. And if you're listening out loud, I want you to say that out loud, the promise. What is a promise? Announcement, it is the assurance of good, a message, a pledge, information, a sent. okay? I want to go back to it is divine assurance of good. Divine means that it came from divinity. It came from God. It came from someone who was not human. In this case, God, the creator of all, the judge of all, his divine nature. So it's the assurance from God of something good. It's a promise, okay? God does not make cruel promises. God does not give promises that are not good, okay? He gives promises that bring good and that bring divine or supernatural or assurance from a God who has all power, all knowledge, and is everywhere present. Promises are good. And let me explain something to you. Notice that the promise came to Abraham before Abraham had did anything to deserve. He had not taken Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice him. He came from amongst his kindreds. He had not done anything. Simply exist. And just because he existed, God had a promise for him. Let me say this to you. Just because you exist, God has a promise for you. Just because you exist in this world, there's a promise, a divine assurance for you, 
for your life. There's a an announcement, a pledge, a divine assurance of good towards you from God to heaven. And it's that you discover that promise, that you hear that promise, and that you anchor your heart of faith in that promise. Because everything pertaining to your life, the fruitful outcome, uh, the blessing that God has released over your life, the blessing that he has ordained or created you to be to this world, uh, to generations, even when you're gone, it is connected to you believing that promise, that divine and supernatural announcement, pronouncement of good towards you, that token of good that brings the assurance, praise God, that God is good in your life, and it releases that goodness. It activates that goodness into your everyday life experience. And this is important that you and I, that we understand this, the power of the promise. The promise has nothing to do with your works. As a, as a matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of First Corinthians, the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. And so when we understand that you're, you know, that you and I have a right to succeed and to be blessed beyond measure according to his promise. Now, to get a little bit more specific, this is before you do any work. This is before, uh, before anything. This is from the foundation of the world. Let, let me explain what the promise is. Before you and I came into this earth or of this world, we were created in the imagination of God, okay? Did you know that existence is a product of God's imagination? And according to um, the book of Genesis, that when created everything in the earth, that everything was good. But when he created man, the Bible says that everything was very good, okay? And so... When, when it, you have to realize that everything about you, when it comes to your existence, your personality, uh, your traits, your hair, your pigment, your eyes, your, you know, your, uh, your essence, your being, you came out of the imagination of God. He imagined you into existence. Okay. You are the product of a profitable imagination because the Bible talks about vain or empty imaginations and when he created man out of the own imagination of his heart, he created man good, okay, and very good actually. So I want to want you to think about that in light of Jeremiah 29 11 when he said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you saith the Lord, they're thoughts of good and not of evil. Notice what the promise was, again, the definition of the promise. Let me read that again, okay? Promise was the divine assurance of good. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. There are thoughts of good and not of evil, okay? This means that you and I came from the thoughts of God. And when God thought you into existence, he also thought about good things to promise you and to give you or, or with the creation of you and I who were very good also came promises from the imagination, from the thoughts of God, because he desires good for his creation, okay? Notice this. When Jesus was born, there were shepherds that met him in the book of Luke. Uh, well, no, there were shepherds that, there were, there were angels that met the shepherds in the book of Luke when Jesus was born. 
And when the angels appeared, the Bible says that they overshadowed him. And the angels came down and they said, uh, you know, hail king of the Jews, uh, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Goodwill toward men. And so when God created you and I, he saw good and he made promises to us even then. Promises are connected to your life just as close as your breath. And not only did he imagine promises and release them towards you, he willed the promises your way, okay? He directed the promises of God. He willed good for our life, so he desires good for our life. And the good that he desires for our life are contained in his promises toward us and for us. And so in understanding that, this is where Abraham himself, before he came into any religious service, God had already imagined him in his heart and had already ordained a promise for Abraham. Praise God. Therefore, it is a faith. Uh-oh, I think I went a little too far. Let me go back up, okay? Let's go back to 14. For if they which are of the law be heirs, for if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made uh, none effect. Okay. Notice what it says. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. The reason that he's saying that is because if the promise comes because of the law, then that means it's no longer a promise. That means that you're getting something because of your outward compliance. And so where there is simple outward compliance, there is no need for faith, okay? Because at that point, the blessing becomes something that God owes us because we did this or because we did that. And so he's saying that if they which are of the law be heirs, then that makes the whole principle and purpose and nature of faith um, unnecessary, obsolete, um, non-productive, or basically vain of purpose. Okay, and not only that, what it does, it counsels out the power and the reality of promises, because promises from God have nothing to do with our works, with our actions, okay? Good or evil. You can't do enough to earn a promise from God, and you cannot, we cannot be miserable enough to, to allow God to take back the promise off of our lives that he has ordained and envisioned from the foundation of the world and announced and pronounced over our life, uh, even before we came to know him as Lord and Savior, okay? And so promise is an exciting thing, and it can really anchor us. And really, it is, the, it is one of the quickest doorways into the God-ordained reality established for our lives when we focus more so on the law than we do on the promises. We focus on uh, trying to be good in God's sight by our actions and deeds instead of just simply trying to please God with our faith and really just taking God and believing 
the good things and the good word and the good and the uh, the good assurance that God has given toward us. Sometimes the mo most challenging thing to do is for us simply to believe. Okay. Simply to believe. Verse 15, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. And so what the law does, the law is not evil, but all the law did was shine a light on what is right and what is wrong. Okay. And not only that, it 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 showed what actions or what deeds that God's anger is kindled against. Okay. Idolatry, you know, uh, one of them. Okay. You know, the Ten Commandments as well as the other laws as well. Uh, in the first five books of Moses, show us the things that pleases God, and it shows us the things that make God angry, the sins that are against him as well. And so, but without the law or without these things quickly or, or clearly spelled out, you and I would have no knowledge of what is right, what is wrong, what is sin, what is righteousness, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable in God's eyesight. And so the law is needed to point out, but the law was never supposed to be looked to but to try to find righteousness in and through, in and of ourselves. Because, again, you and I, we carry the sin nature, okay, until we're born again, praise God, and then we receive the nature of Christ on the inside of us. And so justification comes through Jesus Christ, and we receive his righteousness. We'll look at that a little bit more in the future, okay, as we go on. But it says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. I want you to that this will be a great verse, a great principle for you to memorize. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Okay? If you can't get the whole verse, at least get this first phrase. Because this is how your entire Christian life is supposed to operate. And this is how you're supposed to connect with God and receive everything from God. This is supposed. This is how you're supposed to think, you know, feel, move, behave, and um, and pursue your walk with God through these two principles. Okay. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. Okay. And so the grace of God is what gives you and I the goods. Those are the goods. That's the favor. That's the blessing. That's the healing. That's the strength. That's the freedom. That's the prosperity. That's the soundness. That's the preservation. Uh, that's the restoration. Uh, that's all in grace. But it is through faith. He said, therefore, it is of faith that it may be by grace. So the faith comes from us, and the grace comes from God. And so the faith has to connect with the grace, the Okay. The grace is everything that we need and more than we can ever imagine that comes because of God is good and because he is real good toward us. Okay, It is through our faith that you and I access, possess, and experience on a daily basis the reality of what God has spoken. The goodness jumps off the pages and becomes our daily life experience. When we can focus on knowing God and serving God, of course, you know, uh, by faith through grace, by, by you know, uh, being of faith by his grace, 
the minute we begin to think that we are because of our actions or because of our good works, even as a Christian, that we are somehow deserving of healing, freedom, uh, prosperity, peace, wholeness, uh, you know, deliverance. The minute we think that it's because of our own pious deeds, actions, or righteousness, okay, we disqualify ourselves from experiencing the goodness of his grace, okay, because we have ceased to operate through faith. And we end up, what the Bible calls in Galatians, frustrating the grace of God. Everything but faith frustrates grace. Okay? Everything but faith. Pity parties frustrate grace. Okay? Uh, entitlement frustrates grace. Doubt frustrates grace. Unbelief frustrates grace. Uh, Self-hatred frustrates grace. Uh, belittling yourself frustrates grace. Um, Self-righteousness uh, headiness, high might frustrates grace. The only thing that does not frustrate unbelief frustrates grace. Giving up frustrates grace. The only thing that doesn't frustrate grace is faith. Okay? That makes grace smile and light up and come alive and say, aha, aha, I can work with that. I can work with that. Okay? And faith is just simply saying, Lord, I believe and I receive of your goodness. I believe and I receive of your divine assurance. I believe and I receive of your promise. I believe and I receive of your favor. I believe and I receive of your love, okay? Apart from me, but simply because you are God and you are good and you will good toward me. Well, God bless you. Thank you for this time. I pray that the word brought light, clarity, and encouragement to you. Uh, and as the Lord gives us the permission, we will proceed and continue in this study on Friday. 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Grace and peace be with you in Jesus' name.